Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the major motion podcast, where we talk about the biggest and the best films coming to theaters and streaming online. From the San Francisco Bay Area, I'm John Agroni, film editor for InBetweenDrafts.com. And from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, he's your best friend. He's pairing with you right now, and he's always going to be looking out for you. When you need a news and entertainment writer at Collider, Will Ashton will be there for you. What up? It's Will Ashton. What up, John? My friend, my comrade, my brother in Christ. How you doing? You're creeping me out, Will. Did you murder all of those people just to protect me? I can neither confirm nor deny. This week we're talking about Megan, and it's a, a miracle we're able to get to this movie. A Megan? A what? <laughs> I was going to say a Megan goal, but I, I, that. A Megan goal? I don't know. It didn't even work in my head, and I was like, I'm just going to go for it. I'm fine with you shooting the shot. Yeah. You know what? You Sometimes you shoot the shot, and it actually works out. Sure. So I'm always, you're yeah. hunting. You're chasing that dream. Yeah, you know, you got to go for it sometimes. But- yeah, man, it, I wasn't sure how we were going to be able to talk about this one because I, I missed my screening and I missed the big opening rollout of this movie, right? Because uh, Bay Area, we've just been getting hit with all these storms and I haven't been wanting to travel. I mean, when it rains here, it's it's like imagine a, like a blizzard, you know, in you, like anywhere else, basically. Are you saying uh, yeah. that when it rains? It pours. It pours. Yeah. Yeah, we're not we're not equipped in the Bay Area for rain. It's just like flooding and everywhere. And it's like really dangerous. People aren't used to driving in the rain. I'm from Virginia. I know how to do it, but it's yeah. Even our, our roads are even slicker, you know, because it's just a different chemical compound. Anyway. Yeah. Point is, uh, I I just watched I just I just watched Megan. Mm-hmm. So did you? Yeah. We we just watched it, and anyway, this is like fresh off the presses mm-hmm. for us. Yeah, and this is one of the rare times where you know we it's didn't like really plan it out. <laughs> But yeah, we yeah. both kind of watched it at the same time. I'll bet, you know, not the same. Right. Theater. We didn't. We literally didn't know until we both were like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm about to watch. Meg- oh, oh, yeah, me too. And like literally, the, like not just the same time, like, oh, Will watched it at night. John right. watched it. At- no, we literally like the same <laughs> like half hour. Yeah, we didn't synchronize. I actually thought you were watching this film before me, like you were going to see it earlier in the day. But mm. your afternoon is my evening. And so it just kind of worked out that we saw it. You know, at the same time, we got this experience, uh, Megan, uh, anew and together. Yeah. Uh, albeit not in the same place in the same time. A lot of, uh, well, yeah. And you know what? How could we miss it? It's such an event. Sure. I guess. Megan, the yeah. first major release of 2023. Mm-hmm. You know, some people might say, oh, no, excuse me. That was a man called Otto. Yes. Which actually made more money at the box office than I was expecting. I was sure. expecting it to be like a couple mil. But uh, I think it made some upwards of like it might have hit ten. I, let me double check that. But I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Avatar was like you know what people they rediscovered their love of cinema. I think they just they went they to did. the movies and they're like, what else you got? And they're like, we got Babylon. It's like, well, I'm I'm not going to see that. But what else do you got? And it's like, well, we got Puss in Boots. We got. Man Called Auto, and we got a movie called Megan. Right, which you, you still haven't seen a Man Called Auto, which is why we're not talking I about it. I am um, seeing it tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I, maybe we'll talk about it later. Yeah. But uh, I, I just checked. It made $12.7 million worldwide. Most of that's international. Mm-hmm. Um, only a pittance of that is domestic. So yeah. it's not like a... I mean, look, the, Sony got this movie for like $60 million to acquire it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that's going to play out there. I don't know. But 
But otherwise, uh, you know, it's not doing terribly. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to delay because I know you you have a time crunch, uh, and I don't want to dilly dally because I know the listeners want to hear our thoughts on Megan. They want to know their time. But, I, I wanted to set it up because I mean, Megan, this I, is the like to what I was saying. This is this year's scream. You sure. know, big horror January movie that a lot of people are like, I gotta was, go see this. Was Scream the first release of the year? Like it was like not the first horror movie. I don't but think like, it was the very first of the 2022. But I mean, I think it was like kind of similar okay. to this. Like maybe the second weekend. I want to say I'm not 100. Right. I don't remember 100 percent sure. But it was the, it was very much like the first big movie. You know, there but, wasn't like an award season kind of thing. Yeah, but I mean, historically, uh, I mean, at least in the past decade or so, that first weekend of January has been a big push for whatever new horror movie usually though yes it's a they kind of dump something and it's just like well we can make a good big hash the opening weekend and then you know uh right. people realize the movie stinks and then you know it kind of withers away but megan seems like it's gonna actually have you know at least by you know these early estimations who knows what's gonna happen next week and the week after but it does yeah. seem like it's gonna have some cultural pull which is pretty rare two, for two years th- that's the thing man two years in a row a decent if not good if not great horror movie at least in the public consciousness has t- reclaimed january because january is as you're referencing it's notoriously been a, a dumping ground mm-hmm. it's when movies like slender man or bye bye man whenever man Bye-bye like man, those yeah. kinds of movies would hit january most people wouldn't see them it, it was it was always sort of like an indication that the movie wasn't going to be successful for whatever reason maybe i think what it could have been is a couple of those horror movies actually did like way better than expected because people were like, well, there's nothing else going on. Nothing else to watch. It's cold outside. And these studios were like money on the table. I mean, people are watching movies. The behaviors are changing. January doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, undercooked in terms of what we can put out there. And I think the two kinds of movies that have been successful in January consistently have been movies like Megan scream, but also a man called Otto, which is, you know, we'll talk about it then. But I mean, very much something kind of like the upside, like an American remake of a European kind of just sure. drama movie that was made for, you know, not kind of mid budget that sort of thing. Does, uh, but in terms of Megan, yeah, the, the Internet has been like they, they rolled out the red carpet for Megan. Mm-hmm. They couldn't wait for her to show up. Yeah, I mean, it's been a big uh, success story for the marketing of the film. Primarily, I guess the marketing has just nailed it. I mean, I think this movie, I mean, maybe there's been another film that has kind of capitalized this. I'm not exactly sure, at least intentionally, uh, has been able to kind of seep its way into TikTok culture and really take smile was the other one. Smile, Smile, I think was a night was a pretty good prototype for figuring out like what will get like attention, you know, and, and will appeal to people who have TikTok, uh, TikTok like attention spans. You know what I mean? Not okay. even just literally advertising on TikTok because all the movie studios do that, but it goes beyond that, right? It's about creating the viral moments that can be shared anywhere. Yeah. I mean, TikTok is still obviously a very new social media platform, but if you want to see like night and day as far as like effective TikTok marketing versus ineffective TikTok marketing, look at the, t- the marketing for Megan and then look at the TikTok marketing for Babylon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 where it's like you know cropped funny doesn't make any sense and mm-hmm. yeah i mean a lot of people have been commenting these past couple of months and we've talked about it a little bit of how movie marketing has felt a little bit like a wild wild west nobody knows what's going on nobody knows what's really going to work it all feels m- really mythical like who knows what appeals to the kids they made a whole texas chainsaw movie that was supposed to appeal to gen z and no one could have cared 
And so I, it is interesting to see that yeah, some people are figuring it out. We should note, by the way, as we're kind of setting up this movie, uh, director Gerard Johnstone, who's like a indie director, didn't watch their first movie, which was uh, Housebound, I think it was called. Uh, wasn't it? This is a New Zealand director. Oh, I saw Housebound. Yeah. You did? Was it? Well, I've heard it's good. Yeah, it's not bad. 2014, yeah, right? Yeah, I saw that one. Okay. And it, I think this is seems like a different kind of movie altogether, but the screenplay is from Akila Cooper. Uh, story credit uh, goes to her and to James Wan, uh, we should say. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of curious. Well, I mean, look, I, for me, I didn't watch the trailer with everybody else, but it seemed like people were like, Megan, let's go. As soon as that trailer came out, people were like, oh my gosh, I got to see this. It looks like a horror comedy up my alley. Were you kind of on that train? Did you watch the trailer? Have you been hotly anticipating this? Yeah, I've been with it. I yeah, I was gonna say, I mean, I haven't seen the trailer for Megan like before every film I've seen of late, but I've seen it a lot because it, you know I've seen a lot of movies recently and it's come up fairly often. It seems like of all the gluttony of trailers that have come out, you know, especially when you go to an AMC and you get twenty minutes of trailers, Megan's kind of the one that usually provokes some sort of reaction from the crowd, whether it's sort of like a goffing, like what is this kind of thing, or if it's like, oh, this looks so silly and fun, I have to see this. It just seemed like Megan was actually provoking these responses in a way that, like, you know, you'll see eight out of ten trailers and people just watch it stone face and then the next one comes on. Uh but no, I mean yeah, Megan yeah, kind like, of Okay, there's the Ant Man trailer. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And then Megan comes on and people are getting out of their seats and yeah. clapping. Yeah, I mean I don't know. It's it's not like they're like trained SEALs, but you know, like they're <laughs> Uh, you know, it's clearly like, what is this? This looks dumb, but I have to see it. Or like, it looks dumb and I, uh, you know, don't want to see it all. It, it provoked a reaction. Um, and yeah, I just, I mean, I didn't want to like place a firm bet on it because we are an avatar season and avatar is just, you know, dominating in terms of the box office. But if I were a betting man, uh, I would have said, yeah, Megan looks like it has a decent chance of yeah. uh, making an impression at the box office. It's and, already made $45.7 million. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is if anything is thanks to avatar avatar is bringing people out to the theater sure. it's making them want to go back to the movies after watching avatar the second time mm. and it's great counter programming cool we just watched avatar that was super long let's watch something else oh let's not watch something as long you know let's watch something a little bit different this is like that kind of movie right and i think that's why sure. horror tends to play so well in january because people in december people are used to like the, uh, maybe it's the big star wars movie a big disney movie whatever it's like the big all family all ages thing January's for the adults, man. The, the, the uh, adults, the teens, and everybody in betweens. I don't know if I would say it's for the adults, but I mean, I mean, is you there anything Megan's for adults? No, I mean they they actually went so far as to knock it down to a PG thirteen to appeal more. Well, to that's teenagers. true, and yeah. I I think I think because they understand that this is the kind of movie that like yes. they want teenagers to go to. Literally, like my screening, there was like like teenagers walk came in dressed as Megan. It was kind of like the gentle minions thing. Um, I think I've heard that that's been happening at some theaters and yeah, it's extensively creepy, but I uh, know but the, the story appeals, I think to millennials, to adults, like the it's story? a story very much about millennials, even sure. though it is appealing or trying to appeal to Gen Z. But I mean, that's not terribly weird, is it? Because like there are plenty of movies that have been marketed to millennials like you and me, mm-hmm. but we're about baby boomers. Like what's Top Gun Maverick? <laughs> like, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, 
my main concern, I guess, going into fall, if I had any real concerns uh, as far as Megan is concerned. Uh, I have a lot of concerns about Megan myself. Sure. Uh, is that it seemed a little premature about like the memeage and about like its cultural status. Like it just seemed like the type of film like that was being almost forced upon us, like yeah. a little manufactured. Oh, it just kind of seemed like it was like trying a little hard to be like, this is our next, you know, slash queen icon, you know. But everybody slay. responded like, you you want this to happen? Fine, do it. I like. It. Let's go. Mm. Every, I think everybody was on the same page, though. I, sure. I just see a lot of people who are like, "This is this is extensively creepy." Yeah, and they were responding to the marketing is like, "You got us." Sure, and I mean that wasn't me like uh, being concerned in the sense of like I didn't think it was going to live up to it. I was just like, I just don't. It seems like we're kind of putting the cart before the horse here. Mm. But you know, like I I was excited when the reviews were coming in. They were good. We'll talk about the reviews later, obviously. But uh, yeah, I mean, it seemed like you know I was just a little concerned that we were getting you know a kind of premature uh, excitement. But at the same time, I get what you mean. I was I was worried that the hype was going to throw me mm. off. But at the same time, it was exciting to see you know all this building excitement for a film because you know so many yes. movies now have been so you know lackluster in terms of audience uh in box office it's just like okay like clearly there's you know building anticipation for this movie it's gonna you know get people to go to the theaters you know that there's nothing wrong with that it's very exciting and it gets that you know it stabilizes the theaters again like you said because of avatar and all that and so yeah i mean but in the in the grand scheme of things i was excited for megan to answer your initial question the movie stars allison williams this is i think you know kind of completing her trilogy of millennial final girl movies okay uh girls they, which is, is, is they include get out okay uh the perfection sure and now megan okay i didn't know if you were gonna put girls in that lineup or not well no she's not a final girl in girls <laughs> no, I, know, I mean but, i never finished the show but it did it take a turn for no, the horror but if or? you're gonna talk about like you know millennial art i feel like people are kind of really recognizing that girls is like a really a show that really I feel like defined this era in a way that I, I feel like people are finally now appreciating. Uh, okay. Yeah. There was another movie she was in called Horizon Line sure. from 2020. That's the plane with one, Keith right? David. Yes. Yeah, I saw. A trailer and I don't for think that. that one counts. Yeah, I don't think that counts. That feels like an outlier. Sure. Yeah. Because I think for the for the this trilogy to work, more than ten people had to have watched it. Yeah. So I mean, did that make people watch Perfection? I liked the Perfection, but did that make people? It was watch on it? Netflix. Sure. I, f- I feel like yeah, the Perfection made more of like a an impact. Sure. You know, at least impact adjacent. Uh, I mean, but the big thing about I this like one, a lot. though, is that it's her returning to Blumhouse for the first yes. time since Get Out. That's right. That's right. Because uh, Perfection, uh, like we said, Netflix. And uh, I think before that, I think Miramax was the company before. Something happened with Miramax and you'll you'll have to fill in the blanks yourself for that. Oh, yeah. But, um, What's going on there? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what happened to Miramax? Um, but, you know, so Allison Williams, she's she's the lead of this movie. I mean, she's one of the uh, really the most, you know, well-known actor in this uh you know also ronnie chang who uh, you know netflix stand-up comedian he's been in some stuff sure. uh, daily show people will recognize him from but, but not like a terribly star-studded movie right no, I, mean, uh, I know people like violet mcgraw but sure but i mean megan's the star here let's be real yeah yeah, yeah. and uh yeah i mean that's all you need it's megan it's a movie about megan megan's the star you got what you came for you know the movie as we've alluded to it, you know allison williams plays this young woman i mean older than us i guess like she's in what her mid-30s she's like a not an elder millennial but kind of like middle millennial to elder somewhere in that zone 
And you are she's, she's really claiming this is a millennial film, to be clear. Like, I, I don't know. I think it is. I, I think it's a OK. I, I'm just saying, like, I mean, I wasn't anticipating you like going all in on this is a, a film for the millennials here. It uh, is. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if you want it to be whatever, I'll explain everything, sure. you know, just give me a chance. Just give me a give me an honest chance here. So Alison Williams, uh, you know, there's, there's this terrible tragedy that happens to her niece. Uh, she's in a car accident. She loses her parents. And so she has to take her niece in and basically have to start raising her as her guardian. Uh, but she doesn't feel like she's equipped to that. Also, she happens to work at a toy company. So she makes robots and, and codes and stuff like that. And she finds a way to take this invention, this prototype that she's been working on she thinks it's the future of toys a doll that's like life-size and that can actually have like artificial intelligence and respond to a child and be really smart and be a great like basically a babysitter and she decides to test out this new invention on her niece to try to help her cope with the death of her parents but as you can imagine in this kind of movie it's borrowing from things like child's play like orphan you know this kind of thing where maybe maybe it's not so great uh, to have robots raise children. Uh, you know, that's a pretty decent enough premise. Uh, that's kind of where the movie finds its footing there. I, I have a few notes on this. I have a lot to say, Will, but I, I, I got to get your initial impression here because I know you're still hot off the movie. I am too. But overall, did you like it? Oh, I had fun, man. I had a good time. You know? I had fun. Yeah, I had, I had fun. fun. Yeah, I mean, I left and I, a smile on my face walking out. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those films where as soon as like the first scene happens and I won't give it away. Cause I think you, everyone should just experience it on their own. But that opening scene just kind of puts you in like a warm blanket as far as like, this is what the tone of the film is going to be. Here's what you can expect. Uh, you're going to be in good hands. Just have fun. And yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's, um, I think it has to walk a very fine line as far as like being self-aware, but not being too winking to the point where it doesn't really sell the premise, you know. The like, movie's not as self-aware as Megan, is what you're well, saying? Well, no, I, mean, I am saying it's self-aware. I'm just saying that... Well, it, you're saying it's not too self-aware. That's what no, I'm no, saying. No, no, what I'm right? saying is, like, it's not too cutesy about being self-aware. I see. Yeah, like, if it's too... Because it's campy, but it's not rubbing your face in yeah. it. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's it's not, like, uh, bombastic in terms of style. Like, it's it's... When you say campy, it's not, like super like over the top and goofy the whole time like it plays it mostly it's not flamboyant all the time yeah, no it plays it generally straight but it's obviously like playing it with like a knowing grin but not like winking at you the whole time as it's happening and obviously it's kind of playing into like you said like this idea of like oh let's trust technology but technology can't always be trusted a moral that we've seen however many times in movies and media before this but uh, yeah, I mean, at the same time, like you, you have directors here or you have a director here who knows how to balance that tone. You have writers uh, and producers, particu particularly um, James Wan. Then the I, I can't remember his name, but the, the main screenwriter for Malignant. Uh, uh, Akila Cooper. Yeah. She I, I love I love her work. I think I think she's a tremendous talent. I don't know if there's like a lot you have to say about Megan because I think it kind of just speaks for itself but you seem to disagree I know you have a lot to say about it I don't want to like uh, step on your toes too much I just want you to kind of say your piece and then we can get more into the nitty-gritty of the film I mean the main thing for me is that I just I, I think this movie surprised me in some ways that are really interesting like for one thing you know you mentioned like the, the the opening the cold open how we get introduced to this world and right off the bat I knew oh this is 
the writing here is definitely not just going to be as cookie cutter as maybe some people might expect when they walk into this. Specifically, I really love how the human characters are flawed in unlikable ways. Even the parents are unlikable. Like when we get to know them, like the the movie doesn't start off where, you know, the kid is just like, oh my gosh, my life is perfect. And her parents are like, you're right, baby doll. We're, and we're perfect parents. Death. Like this isn't, you know, that kind of like warm sort of thing because it's not going to try to do that and then try to make you feel overwhelmingly sad for this Mm -hmm. girl. You still feel sad for her because you're just like, oh my gosh. Oh, sure, it's tragic. But if anything, you feel more like Allison Williams' character, where you're like, man, yeah, life is life is tough. That's the emotion that the movie is keying in on. And I think that's what I'm getting at, where I think this is, it feels like the DNA of Akilah Cooper's writing, which is very much of like leading you into emotional states that are not exactly what you expect. Because as we get to know these characters, like the, the kid uh, who's played, uh, as I mentioned before, by Violet McGraw, she, uh, I think she's the sister of uh, another a uh, young actress that was yeah, in the movie. I, is, I forget. Who was in uh, the Black Phone? That's right. Yes, yes. Black Phone. Another um, uh, Blumhouse production. Another Blumhouse movie. It's like it's almost like the people in Hollywood know each other. Nepo Babies and all that. Uh, Allison Williams, Nepo Baby. Um, but uh, she had a, she had a great response to that when somebody asked her about it. Probably the only good response anyone's had. Anyway, you you get to know these characters and like even the kid Katie, like she's kind of a she's kind of brat. She's like her parents are like trying to deal with something and she's getting she's kind of being annoying to them. The 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 mom is like nagging the dad. The dad is like being condescending to the mom. Like it kind of comes off as just like know, they're just people, you know. They kind of suck, and that's that's the note that we start off on. And you could totally see a different version of this movie where like all the character arcs, if it would all be so robotic, for lack of a pun. But it isn't. I think it actually is like something a little bit. I don't want to say it's smart, but it's smarter, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you could say it's like clever about it, but it's not like being cunning and sharp. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say it's like I mean, it's obviously being cutesy about it, but it's not being overly cutesy about it, which I think is kind it's of not the key. cerebral. It's, sure. This isn't Ari Aster. It's not pretentious. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like I said, it's kind of walking that fine line where it's like it's giving you what you expect from this premise and the story. It's like kind of playing similar beats, but it's also, like you said, kind of fleshing them out, uh, as it were, uh, in a way that feels a little bit more robust and a little bit more evolved, I guess, to keep the pun game going. Uh, Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because like you don't have these moments where, for example, you know, like where, okay, the parents die, you expect that. And like usually what they what these movies try to do is they would take the Allison Williams character and they would kind of just put her on just like, you know, where she's wearing like a really cozy sweater and she's looking out the window with her knuckles right up against her jaw. And she's just like, how am I going to raise this kid? But instead, it's just way more emotionally intelligent where she's just like, I don't know, like what? kid can you play with this ipad like i don't know this that entire time i was i was feeling it because that is so millennial and also like the whole point of this movie right is allison williams i think is a kind of like it's a new kind of scream queen that does what scream queens used to do more reliably which is really reflect the current time and i think that a lot of like the scream queens of like the 90s and the early aughts, they kind of got away from this because I think that everything got so generic. It got so wishy-washy and bland. This feels more honed in. This feels more of like, okay, let's look at a millennial white woman 
who kind of rejects traditional norms. In this case, parenting and the social anxiety of like, am I ever going to be a good, could I be a good parent? Maybe I shouldn't be. I'm more focused on my career, like that kind of thing, right? Yeah, avoiding- Which is something that is, Mm -hmm. like people our age kind of take this for granted, but that's a very new phenomenon for it to be as widespread and as mainstream and normalized as it is. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of fascinating also that like the film doesn't really ever explore like- her ever settling down or like even her sexuality or anything like that. It's just like, she's so head focused in her career that like her personal life is non-existent basically. And she doesn't feel all that bad about it, nor, and the movie doesn't say she should. Right. That's what right? I mean. It's not judging but There is still her. an anxiety there. And yeah. I think that's what's smart about it. Cause it's a movie that understands that a lot of people make that decision for themselves and they don't regret that decision at all to decide, you know what? I'm not going to have kids. I'm not going to settle down. And everyone says I should. And the, the movie isn't saying like, oh, you should feel bad about that. It's not preachy or anything, but it is saying that there is an inherent anxiety there for where, what if parenting is then thrust upon you? in your mid thirties when you don't expect it, you know, it could be an unplanned pregnancy. Unfortunately, it could be a tragedy like this and what that does to you of like how it's so jarring, how you, you don't know how to handle and cope with it. And like, this is like way more emotionally gripping than I thought the movie Megan was going to be. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of been the key though, for the better Blumhouse productions, right? Is that they, they try to, you know, take what people expect from these kind of popcorn horror films, but they also expand upon them, play with genre and tone in a way that, you know, you know, elevates the genre, as it were, not to uh, play into like the whole elevated horror phenomenon. Uh, But yeah, I mean, in a way that like, you know, obviously, it's like the next step in horror. And I think the weaker Blumhouse movies just kind of play it safe and predictable. But the the ones I prefer, the ones I think that really stand out and pop, like this one or like Happy Death Day or like we said before, Get Out are kind of evolving the genre in a way that it is familiar in some respects, but also feels very fresh and inviting and new. And it's just that that balance of commercial fun, but also doing something that is a little bit smarter, a little bit more clever than you might expect going into it. Right. The commercial fun is that I am afraid of what this movie is kind of saying in its subtext, not even in its subtext. It's pretty overt, actually. But like you could you could easily make an argument for, okay, this movie is about how millennials are afraid of Gen Z. You know, even more broadly, they're afraid of the next generation. The next generation is as scary as the character of Megan, a character uh, that is super plugged into like mm -hmm. technology. You disagree? Well, is she Gen Z or is she more alpha? I, I think. Uh, you could you could kind of blur the lines there. Sure. I, uh, that's why I said more broadly the next generation, like the generation coming up. It doesn't have to be Gen Z, but it can be, you know, essentially like any sort of like a young, like extremely tech savvy raised on technology, in this case, an actual robot. So like Megan stands for Model 3 generated Android or something. And it is like a very, you know, it is a very scary thing to sort of grapple with like what the future means and like where technology is going and all of that and how that can make you feel insecure as like your place in the world, right? Because a lot of this movie is the Allison Williams character being like, well, what use am I? Like this, this doll is better at raising the kid than I sure. am. And I kind of like that that's the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's not, uh, uh, I mean, obviously like we see throughout the film that like she's, very pro tech. And then like her, uh, sister was kind of more, you know, uh, critical of technology. It's kind of acknowledging that like, yeah, like technology is not going to go away. You can't just like, you know, raise your kids away from screen time and all that stuff, but also acknowledging that like, yeah, you can't like expect, uh, a machine to raise your child in this case, you know, quite literally. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the fun of it is that like, it's taking this very familiar premise of like, you know, the robot gone bad scenario, but giving it a very kind of modern timely lens without making that, you know, too overt or like taking out, uh, the fun of it. 
Exactly. It's a fresh coat of paint for a very fun trope, very fun genre. And I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, it should be pointed out that the Allison Williams character, she is very tech savvy. She created the doll. Like millennials are tech savvy. Like we know the Internet. We were raised on it, too. But it's just showing that, like, oh, my gosh, like this, you know, this doll that looks like one of the Olsen twins is basically more tech savvy than I am. And that's that is kind of like a little freaky like it's a little bit like uh it's unsettling is what it is but it's never like super annoyingly you know unsettling i guess um but yeah and and also i I did want to bring up the comedy of it because i if i had one sort of not disappointment but one sort of thing where i was a little bit like huh it's that i actually Mm. didn't find the movie as funny as i expected it would be i thought i'd be laughing a lot i chuckled i thought it was very lighthearted in certain parts and i liked jokes in it and stuff but it wasn't like a full-on horror comedy right it kind of takes itself pretty seriously i don't know i was having fun i was laughing i wasn't like you know i wasn't laughing much i wasn't like you know like like the whole time but you know i was like i was busting a gut i was like (laughs) (laughs) you know i was having good good time i was smiling i was shaking my head and being like oh megan yeah but no i mean megan i mean uh i was gonna ask you though i mean maybe we can touch on this a little bit later when we talk more about like the ending but did you how'd you feel about the movie kind of getting more kind of quippy and like you know uh megan being a little bit more kind of like self-aware comedically as the film went along because it would have worked way way better if it was r-rated well that's my yeah i mean that's That's the big that's the big shortcoming yeah i mean i assume that uh, this was conceived as like an r-rated film and then they kind of like jacked it a little bit as the um uh (laughs) post-production went along and i felt like there's certain scenes in here where you're like oh they probably like had that all set up to like show you like how gruesome that is yeah you you don't get to see that i mean there's like one particular scene uh towards the middle where it's like it's obviously a very violent thing, but it seemed like there was like supposed to be a very like large, like kind of crunching noise that's supposed to happen. And it's just quiet and it feels very odd. Like it's like, okay, they Mm. they must've tinkered this a little bit to, uh, you know, get that back to a PG 13. And I, and I'm not like opposed to, you know, PG 13 slashers on principle. As I mentioned before, I really did enjoy uh, happy death day. And I think that movie actually works around the R rating really effectively. Like I think that movie, it's so much about Tree's life through these like this death cycle and the fact that she's, you know, finding herself is is actually benefited by not really showing all these gruesome death scenes because it, it doesn't sensationalize her journey, her trauma. But I feel like with this movie, even though it is also about grief and trauma, it is kind of needing that uh lack of humanity from Megan. Like she needs to kind of have that very deep brutality and that lack of empathy and it feels a little shortcutted by making it pg-13 over r and clearly working around these sort of violent circumstances that she does and and what's meant to be kind of more over the top than actually is here yeah that's what surprised me more than anything else and and we haven't even touched on it but this is really like a sci-fi horror with comedic elements i think uh it's very sci-fi because I actually do think that the meta commentary of this, like the meta commentary about technology seems purposely underbaked because they touch on it. It's in the movie and it matters, but it never felt like, at least to me, that the the unrelenting, like the AI and technology being scary was like the main thrust of the story or why this movie really exists. And, and I think that's why the movie actually manages to move with so much energy because the commentary doesn't slow anything down. We never have to like stop in the middle of everything and be like, and that's why you got to be more careful with technology. Like it always just felt like it was added flavor 
to the horror. It was never a a meal upon itself because I do think that they seem to recognize while making this that we already have so many movies about that. And so if you dwell on that too much, I mean, it's just going to raise some red flags for people. It'd be like, I know how this goes. I know, I know Megan, you know, is scary. Like, let's just get to the parts where Megan are scary. And so that's what I liked about it. It, it just felt like it was to, to borrow a term we've already used. It was self-aware about what the audience's expectations are. And it avoids some of the things that I think the audience is dreading is going to happen. Yeah, I mean, were you expecting anything like like the house kind of coming alive in a way, like with all like the different gizmos and gadgets? And like, I actually thought that that was about to happen, mm-hmm. and then it never really it did. didn't. Yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, they're probably going to find a way to bring in like the toys, the right. collectibles and stuff. And, and like, they, I knew that there was something. I know yeah. we shouldn't talk too much about stuff mm-hmm. that could get spoilery, but there is something that gets introduced early on in the movie that's like the Chekhov gun of the yeah. movie, and Which, I was kind of waiting for that. That was great. I, I thought that was fantastic. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, it, it, it pulls it up because cause even in that kind of Chekhov's gun, it still served a function beyond coming back later in the movie. It, it was something that was a triggering point for something else. And that's how you do that sort of thing or you're supposed to do that sort of thing effectively. Again, I just think the screenwriting here is not surprisingly tight, but it is uh, satisfyingly I mean, tight. You know, I mean... I'm not going to say this is like a perfect script, but it's a solid no, script. But it's it's good. It's it's very yeah, it's just it's just got all the juice to it. Yeah. You know, it's like it doesn't it's not a loosey goosey. It it kind of just moves and flows and it's like it's what you want from a good script. Yeah, cuz I mean, I don't know the budget uh exactly, but I'm guessing it's probably within 12 million. I was going to guess probably Unbelievable. I thought this would be 20 to 30. I mean, that's at least one of the things Man I really Man called Auto, you know how much Man called Auto cost? Uh 30 50 50 million dollars for a man called Otto. You know how many killer dolls are in Man Called Otto? I won't tell you. That'd be uh, a spoiler. two. <laughs> That'd be more than this one. Oh man. Yeah, no. Well, you know, I mean, well, well, yeah, 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 okay, okay, yeah. Um <laughs> uh but no, I mean, I was going to say one of my favorite things about the film was the infusion of like practical and CG effects. Like the effect of Megan is yeah. like really well done, especially for a modest budget film like this one. I mean, you know, it's not only fairly seamless, but, you know, just like really practical and efficient. Uh, and, you know, it, it looks, you know, very realistic and knows like when the UCG to make Megan look a little bit more like freaky and uncanny. But also mm-hmm. when they use like practical or real effects, either like, you know, make Megan, uh, you know, feel more ingrained and real in a certain scene. Uh, or, you know, I like, believe this yeah. doll existed. Yeah. This is Amy Donald, who is providing the sort of like the practical effect of mm-hmm. Megan. Like yeah. she's actually like making Megan come alive and everything, like being the doll. Yeah. But then we have Jenna Davis voicing the character and to what you're saying, they do use CGI to kind of round it out. But to me, I thought it was mostly seamless. Right. So I mean, it's, I think it's just a really well done effect. I feel like it, it's going to maybe kind of get overlooked because of how seamless it is, but I think it's definitely worth celebrating. Yeah. It's definitely one of those things where I can imagine like Andy Serkis, like watching this movie and just being like, <laughs> They're learning, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, critics are obviously liking this one a lot. And I think I think one of the reasons that critics are liking it, if I had it, I think it's because it has a morsel in it for for everybody, you know, because like the teens, you know, the preteens, Gen Alpha, Gen Z, whatever you want, they can watch this and just be like, this is goofy, dumb, stupid. I love Megan. Uh, millennials like us can watch it and be like, yeah, parenting is scary. And then like even older adults can watch this and, and get something out of it, too, like. I think if I had to nail down what I think this movie is getting at, it seems really focused on that same Pixar slash Inside Out 
like storytelling mode of like, hey, it's not a good idea to avoid painful and uncomfortable emotions. Like you should deal with the imperfections of life head on. And it kind of manifests itself, that emotional undercurrent manifests itself into hmm. the characterization, how how these characters, like I said before, they're unlikable, but you know, they, it, because they're flawed and they're not unlikable in unbelievable ways. And I think that serves how sometimes you're going to be uncomfortable in life and it, it's sort of getting at the Alison Williams character feeling like, you know, maybe like, you know, life isn't going to be perfect and she can't always get everything exactly how she wants, but she right. has responsibilities and th there is a way for her to navigate that without relying on the crutch of technology. And I think in this movie, there's that added idea of how technology can be a distraction from what we're really feeling in the world and how we need to express things emotionally. And the, the movie practically screams this at the audience without being preachy, which is what I like. Like you're able to get that out of the movie without it just like yelling it at you. Sure. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know, I, I guess that's why I didn't really take issue with, like, you were mentioning, like, the toys that, like, were kind of heavily shown throughout, and I felt like they were pretty effective as just, like, little metaphors, like, she wants everything to be kind of, like, in a box and, like, packaged and, like, efficient, obviously life's I not going to be, I didn't take issue like, with the toys. Well, I thought you... Did you say I did? It, well, it just sounded like you, like, expected something more, like, story efficient. Oh, no, it. I just expected some them to kind of come into, like, the final thing, and okay. it wasn't something that, like, annoyed me yeah, or anything. I was just kind of like, know. oh, I didn't I don't do need every, that's okay. you know, that's everything to be a Chekhov's gun. Some things it's, could just yeah, be yeah, a metaphor. Yeah, dressing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Some things could just be metaphors on their own, or symbolism, or allegories, whatever you want to call it. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I think, and I do think it serves that sort of thing where, like, it, it helps establish early on that uh, the Allison Williams character, who I, I, I forgot her name, that's why I keep doing this. I keep Gemma. Sorry. So Gemma is like a kid, you know, like she has these collectibles, she has these toys, and that that is effective visual storytelling of like showing the toys and showing how like she's not quite exactly mentally prepared for this. Like maybe she could be, but she just isn't because this has happened. This has sprung on her. And that's how I think a lot of millennials feel like when they hit their mid thirties. And it, is it obvious to anybody listening to the show that I'm almost in my mid thirties? Uh, no, I think I you're painfully clear. I think you're being kind of gradual with it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Will, you're just like seeing me bang a gong that says I'm almost 30, oh, man. whatever. How do you think I feel? I'm only going to be, I'm going to be 30 this year. Like this is my you're 30th right. I'm year a older, of life. I'm not super older than yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, you have. You think you're the only one here with existential crisis going on? <laughs> Forget about. It. Yeah, but you've got other movies to, sure. to wrestle with. I yeah, guess. Yeah, um, I'll deal with that during our man called auto discussion. I guess. There you go. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, I guess the thing missing for me though in this movie is I think the progression of Megan herself. I think they never the character never quite clicked for me beyond all the creepiness. And I am a little worried that they're saving that for like the inevitable sequel. I think the sequel already got greenlit even before the movie came out. Yeah, I mean that's uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm getting at. It's that like it, it feels a little uh, prepackaged already. I guess like it kind of feels like yeah. they're already kind of expecting this to be a franchise. And I don't know. I, I, there's something about part that of that, that is because this movie is sort of about like making things right. things before they happen. You right. know, they're like literal scenes yeah. where it's like we're gonna have this press conference. It's gonna be the most popular thing in the world. But, and you're like, yeah. am I watching the board meeting for this movie? I mean, it's effective, but it's also like it feels a little hypocritical. Where it's like it's a movie about like the dangers of this, but it's also like you can kind of see the gears and mechanisms of Blumhouse yeah. being like, all right, this is obviously going to be our next big franchise thing here. And I, I feel like it was kind of driven home by the fact that, like their new logo is like here. Here's all the franchises we have. Remember this thing. And here's Insidious. Here's Michael Myers. Here's, you know, uh, The Purge and all this stuff. And, like, I am starting to get a little worried about, like, you know, the calculations that go into Blumhouse. Like, I, I 
really appreciate the company as like, okay, we're going to shepherd these, you know, genre films. Like if you can make them for, you know, 10 to $20 million and, you know, we can market them effectively, then hurrah, we'll get into theaters nationwide. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously it was kind of doomed to be, you know, a franchise starter at some point. Cause that's just going to how, that's how they're going to get, you know, renew, renewing, uh, profit but uh yeah well, yeah i mean it's a slam dunk for them like we said before 12 million dollar budget 45.7 million oh, yeah, box office so far i mean come on the budget just this opening weekend yeah yeah it, it, it's taken off like a rocket ship and i it, just like they planned it you know and i i don't know if a sequel will be able to hit the same highs i, I don't i don't know it seems like a bit of a long shot to me I in mean, some ways they didn't plan one thing though which is that they already have three in the title for Megan. So when they get <laughs> what to are they the, gonna call the next one? Yeah, Megan, what, the well, last not, wish. Yeah, I mean what are they gonna call the third one? Meg Megan, three again three. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they're gonna do something weird with it. Who knows? I even thought like when I first saw the title, I was like, Well, what were the other the first two? Well, I mean I'm not joking. I actually thought that I was like, Oh, another one already? You don't think they're gonna do like me again? Like split the <laughs> uh megan thing i i you should you should write in uh you know we should have like that same happy death day to you moment yeah oh yeah yeah that was what a <laughs> moment that was for us yeah our 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 fledgling show uh doing its thing should we also announce that we hit a million downloads we haven't done that on the air have we uh, have we not i thought we did that uh during like puss and boots or whatever Maybe we did. I don't know. You, you did it on Twitter. I don't know if we actually did it on the air, but yeah, we're. That's the thing. I'm thinking of when I did it on Twitter, mm. but we hit a million downloads. Send my yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks we everybody. Yeah, hope you enjoy yeah. our conversation. I think we did talk about. It. I yeah. think we did mention it. Yeah, I was gonna say. I thought we did. <laughs> well, you know, for the people who didn't tune into Puss and Boots Last Wish, <laughs> uh, look at us uh, concerned about the numbers and not even concerned about the product anymore. We're just like and that movie is about. Like you got, don't be concerned about the numbers, yeah. the selling things. Come mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Do we learn nothing from these movies? Yeah, exactly. All right, I'm ready to play the Rotten Tomatoes game. Unless you had any final thoughts you want to hit on Megan. Um, not hit on Megan, but you know. I did want to talk a little bit about the two central performances. Uh, I mean, obviously we sure. talked about um, the actresses that played Megan. I thought they they both did a very nice job. Uh, I really wanted to highlight the uh, main child actress. who Violet McGraw. Violet McGraw, who I thought was really good in this. I thought she... Yeah, she was good. You know, she was in Ready Player One. Yeah. And I thought, you know, she had kind of a tough role where, you know, like you said, you have this very wide-eyed, innocent character, but she's also very emotionally complicated. She's obviously dealing with this horrible tragedy. But, you know, she's not always sympathetic. She's not easy, you know, to, uh, you know, sympathize with every moment because she's a child. And I think she communicates the honesty of a of a character like this in a way that felt really yeah. effective but didn't undermine the playfulness of the premise. She's certainly way more memorable than other kids in movies like this, like the kid in Annabelle. Like, I don't, any of the sure. kids we've seen in the Annabelle movies, like, I, I don't really remember yeah. them that well. But this one, I, I have a feeling I will. Yeah. And then uh, I did really want to talk about Allison Williams because I'm very curious where you stand on her in general and then also what you thought about her performance in this film. I think she's terrific. I think she's always been really good. Mm-hmm. I, I think she's a way more self-aware actress than people give her credit for. Yeah. I think sometimes people people kind oh. of look at her and they just yeah. kind of be like, she's not in on the joke. Oh, or no, or like she's in on like what... Yeah. Like I think she knows who she is as an actress and where her strengths are. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, she's like perfectly cast as Marnie in Girls. I mean, I think that was, oh. you know, 
hundred percent. Yeah. Extremely well casted performance. And I think she did a great job in that show. I think she's very good in get out. And I thought she was good in the perfection. I feel like her performance in here wasn't like amazing, but I will say that I feel like her performance is key to kind of selling Megan as well. The, the doll, I mean, cause like she has to like, you know, kind of be knowing about, you know, this is kind of a goofy premise, silly, but also like sell the honesty of like, okay, you know, like she can't like be, you know, similar to filmmakers kind of wink, wink, nod, nod, you know, nudge, nudge uh, to the audience. Like she has to like kind of sell the gravitas of this character such as it is, but also, you know, kind of play into the goofiness of the premise. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a tricky balance. And uh, I think generally speaking, she she did a nice job. Yeah, because I think. As, as I was watching this movie and I was I was sort of connecting with the character, I was feeling like I know this person. There are people in my life like her who I, I love to pieces, but I'm always interested, like what's really going on in their head. And th- sometimes <clears throat> they might say something where I'm like, huh, it's a little bit like it's a little cold, but it's not like overtly cold. You know, like there are certain things she does in this movie where I'm like, man, you're not you are far from perfect. You are far from like the, you know, emotionally like mature. But like again, that's what makes her so fascinating. What's make it's what makes her human. It's, I think it's what makes you care about her, because she does it in a way where like you certainly you know don't look at her as like a, a role model, right? And that's part of like what the text of the movie is. Like this, Katie's not supposed to be looking up to her or anything necessarily. But in some ways, she should because she's such a she's an accomplished human being. She's extremely intelligent. She is caring, and she does want to be selfless. Like part of this movie is that this whole thing doesn't get like saddled onto her outside of her agency. This is something that she agreed to do. And she has a way. I love that the movie gives her a way out. It's like, no, no, no. The the girl can go stay with, you know, you know, the, the dad's parents, if you want. And she's like, no, I said I was going to do this. So I'm going to do it. And I'm like, that's that millennial. Like I'm going to, I'm going to take this thing on, even though it's not in my job description. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it's it's little stuff like that. where I'm like, Alison Williams sells it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I also appreciate that. Like, we really don't know what's going on with them in Florida. It's just like they're in you Florida. Just, you can fill in the blanks. And yeah. they just keep saying that they're weird. And so yeah, it's just yeah. like, yeah, it's like, well, I don't know what's going on there, but clearly you, you could be charitable too. You can be like, well, it's not great, you know, to uproot a kid that much. Like mm-hmm. Oregon to Seattle, manageable. Sure. Unless you're talking to somebody from those areas, I yeah. guess. But like, you know, uprooting from like Oregon all the way to Jacksonville, Florida, that, you know, that's tough, even if you're a big fan of Florida. Sure. But do you think Megan's going to go to Florida in the sequel? <laughs> I hope so. Like fight a shark. <laughs> I was going to say fight a gator. Just like, you know, out in the, yeah. We start with the gator, then we get yeah. to the shark. Then we yeah, get, yeah. get her in Disney World and, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Disney, Disney World Megan. That would be perfect. That would be pretty good. But uh, yeah, uh, anything else? I think that's the the gist of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, nothing else is really coming to mind uh, right now. I mean, you know, I think it's just a solid well-made popcorn horror comedy, sci-fi horror comedy, mm-hmm. like you said. Uh, yeah, I mean, really there's... Really nice start to the year. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a fun little, like you said, surprise. Like, it, I mean, not that I had low expectations going into it, but, you know, I was just kind of hoping for the best, expecting the worst. I was like, yeah, this gave me what I wanted. It's exactly what's on the tin. And yeah, it <laughs> and also in some ways a little bit better. So, yeah, can't go wrong with that. All right. It's playtime. Sure. Time to play. Games. More, you know, we got our homework done. We did our, our book report on the movie. We ate our vegetables. Now let's just have some fun. Let's play a game. Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes game. We have 180 reviews counted. But uh, I will say, this: the Rotten Tomato score has been changing a lot. 
And I don't know, because you already you already warned me. You said I've been swilled on the RT score, yeah. so you might get this dead on. I don't know. But I have noticed that it shifted a lot. And I'll say what I've seen it kind of shift around as uh, here in a second. Let's start things out. Will Ashton, 180 reviews. What's your best guess for the Rotten Tomatoes score for Megan? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I feel like the score more than most others of late has been really spoiled for me. And I think it's because people are just surprised by how high it's been like they're like can you believe megan is blank (laughs) right like can you believe this like is this happening they're Um, they're emailing you the score they're like will have you noticed this and then it's like a.o scott but i mean initially it was like at 97 percent or something like that and i know it's not that it started at 98 that was the first official score it was at 98 and then i think it went down slightly to 97 but it stayed 97 like through the weekend i believe uh and then it went down a little bit and last i'd heard earlier today it was at 94 percent uh and i don't think it really changed so i'm gonna just say it's at 94 percent smart move it's harder than it looks because you could have been like oh maybe went down even more you didn't you were right it hasn't changed. It's still 94%. And it is a low enough review threshold where that literally could have changed like a couple points uh, with just a few reviews, right? And uh, I, I could literally like add a review right now and try to change that just so I could win the Rotten Tomatoes game. I won't do it because um, I would be sure. dishonest and weird. Uh, but anyway. And petty. 94% though. That's, I mean, even, when it was at 98%, I was like, that's not going to last. But at the same time, I was like, even just that moment in time, how awesome did the filmmakers have to like get to feel right? Yeah, I like I would just be doing like laps around the pool. That's you'd great. be doing the the Megan dance. I'd be doing the Megan dance, which uh, you know not my favorite dance uh, in terms of uh, horror movies, but it's up sure. there. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I guess I, we didn't talk about the dance that much. Felt a little like prepackaged for the TikTok crowd, but also yeah, kind of yeah. a fun. T- oh, that was something I was going to mention. Um, loved, loved. Every time Megan sang, that made me laugh so hard every single yeah. time. I thought it was such a great touch. I love the first time when she like broke out in the song. I thought that was amazing. Make Megan a musical. Yeah. Yeah. When she just like decided to like make the movie a musical for a brief moment. Every time she did that, I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. We, we agree there. We agree there. All right. Audience score. You have a thousand plus verified ratings. People showed up. They watched it and they put their score up. So what do you think it is? Uh, it seems like audiences are digging it. Um, you know, some people in my audience, the audience, uh, they were clapping after the film. You know, and wow, there it was like anyone from the film was working who worked on the film was there. You know, they just had a good time when everyone's the dough. Uh, so I'm gonna say it's a little bit higher, but not like 99 percent high. I'm gonna say 96 percent. Unfortunately, will the mm. audience score is actually pretty surprising. Okay, it's an 80 percent. Hmm, okay. I probably would have guessed around the same as you, but yeah, 80%. For some reason, audiences are kind of being a little, they're being a little film critic-y. They're being a little snobby. I don't know. They're like plot holes. <laughs> I don't know. I, think, I, I I don't know if it's like an expectation thing. I don't know if it's like, th- there's nothing about the movie that screams like agenda to me that would like have some sort of like weird online movement against this movie. Like, I, I just don't see that. Like, what, what would that even look like? I mean, so your guess is as good as mine. Honestly. I know that, uh, Megan and Chucky have been publicly feuding. <laughs> there it is. Uh, All the Chucky fans yeah. are like, this is, this is bull. You yeah. know what? Maybe some of the Chucky stands were coming out and being like, no siree. I don't know this, <laughs> yeah. Megan. Yeah, no ma'am. Yeah, no Megan. ma'am. Yeah, no ma'am. Um, all right. What about cinema score? Did you, did you say you got split on this one too? Nope. 
this one is gonna oh, okay. be an honest to goodness guess because I don't know what it I is. did. I did get spoiled on it, so I thought maybe you did too. It was, mm. it was kind of all over Twitter. Uh, but yeah, what do you think? What's what's uh, your best guess for cinema score? Now that you know the audience score, um, I'm tempted to do an A minus, but I feel it's closer to a B plus. So I'm gonna say B plus. You should have kept following your heart even oh. more. It's a B. B. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is, isn't that weird? Yeah. Maybe this is just this is for the critics, not the fans. I don't know. I'm I'm genuinely shocked. I I, mean, I, I cannot believe that this seems to be at least right now clicking more with critics and film lovers who you know are in that world more than I guess the general public. I, I find it kind of interesting. Uh, no, I mean, it, it it seems like people are liking the film. To be clear, like yeah, it's not like. It, B is not an F. Sure. Yeah. It's not like critics are loving it, audiences are hating it, but uh, yeah, weird sort of divide, at least by those scores. Uh, I don't know, but like I said, my audience, <laughs> my audience seemed to uh, dig it, so I can't, uh, you know, I, I haven't spoken to too many people about the film, but it seems like people are enjoying themselves watching this from what I've seen. Let's finish out with Letterboxd. We have 50,000 watches as we record this, which is... Uh, pretty average um, for a movie like this, but you know, not in a bad way. Average in the sense, of like, yeah, most movies like that have like a big opening weekend, tend to be around like fifty thousand mm. or so. So, what do you think the average rating is? Zero to five on Letterboxd. Uh, three point seven. It is three point three. Oh, okay. Again, I probably would have guessed around like three point five. This feels like a very three and a half star movie for a lot of people who are like, yeah, I like this. I had a lot of fun. Don't like lose your mind over it or anything. But yeah, I, I guess it, it, people are kind of in between the threes and the 3.5s. I'm sure some people are like giving it the five stars because they they have one life to live and yeah. they're not going out, you know, bored. Yeah. So they're saying she slays, you know, queen, mommy, whatever the terms they want to use to apply to Megan. They're just having fun, like you said. <laughs> um, in terms of friends of the show. Uh, you know, I'm seeing, you know, one person gave it two and a half oh. and that makes it a little sad. Who was Corey that? Woodruff didn't give it the heart. Oh, yeah. yeah. I so haven't not, talked not to Corey really. about the film. Isaac Feldberg only gave it two and a half. Yeah, it's oh. not working for everybody. Hmm. You know, Clint Worthington, no friend of the show, three and a half stars. Sure. Yeah. Matt Donato, three and a half. Like I said, I feel like three and a half is like the night, the sweet spot. Yeah. Although Kimber Myers gave it four stars. Hmm. Might as well be law. Sure. So. Yeah, right. are we? Uh, I was gonna ask you, um, because the trailer for Knock of the Cabin came on. It did uh, before my screen of the film, at least. Uh, are we gonna have Kimber back on for when we do Knock of the Cabin? That's probably gonna be the start of season That's a good seven. Idea. Yeah, yeah. Let's head her up. Let's see if she's uh, available. Yeah, Q two uh, talked about old, and uh, I guess fittingly, I have some bones to pick because I liked that movie and you two didn't. So. <laughs> Uh, I feel yeah, it'd be a good the time. Reason you want to come on? Well, no, I mean, I, I haven't talked to Kimberly in a long time. I'd really like to talk to her again, but also I, I feel like I need to kind of air some grievances as air well. Out some grievances. Yeah. Well, I, I will, I will warn people that, uh, you know, I, I didn't really watch the trailer cause it looked like it was a new one that gives away more of the plot. Uh, so I didn't pay attention to oh, it. Okay. And I, uh... for me, it came on after the missing trailer. Okay. I um, the, get... the trailer for the movie called missing. I didn't get that. And, if that trailer comes on and you're watching Megan, avoid it. Mm. It gives away everything. It's the most annoying kind of movie trailer. It made me super mad because I was looking forward to that movie. Now I feel like I just got to skip it. Forget about it. I don't mm. want it. Yeah, I only got the trailers for Knock at the Cabin and Scream 6. 
which I hadn't seen the trailer for Scream 6 yet. Trailer so. for Scream 6 didn't come on for me. It was uh, Evil Dead Rise. Oh, I haven't seen that uh, one Renfield. Yet. Mm, I haven't seen that um, one yet. Ant-Man Quantumania for I've some reason. I've seen that one plenty of times. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, that was only my second time seeing that one. Because the only other time I, wa- I saw it was uh, Avatar. Okay. Um, and I can usually trust Marvel. Like, I feel like they, sure. they hide things pretty well in their movies. But yeah, no. The one for Missing came on, and I was so mad. I mean, it's from the people who made Searching. So I was really looking forward to it. Now I feel like I can just skip it. Yeah, I was trying to figure out. Is So it's not like a sequel or anything to Searching, right? No, it's like a spiritual like sequel slash spinoff. It's like the same oh. kind of format. It's screen life. So it's like found footage, but only through screens. Mm. It was just a great trailer programming for this Megan movie. Sure. Sure. But uh, seriously, like they give away so much. I genuinely was just like, do you want us to watch the movie? Mm. You know, like who was watching that and be like, I got to see it. It's like, I, uh, well, I will say uh i i just got the original teaser for knock of the cabin which i think is a great teaser i hope you it's great yeah uh, and that's the one to watch like don't watch yeah. the trade like the 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 other few trailers the official trailer i, I guess, could yeah. tell they were getting more into the stuff i was like i don't want to know that yeah no, that's what i mean so. i love the teaser because it just tells me just enough like i don't want to exactly. know more until i get that ticket and see the movie for myself baby same here yeah. same here but we're not the people they're targeting they're targeting people who mm. they need their their hands held paired sure with the movie, you know, they have to be the primary user, I guess. I guess so. That was a trailer talk. That was it. That was our (laughs) our very rare uh, trailer talk. I can't remember the last time we talked about trailers, but anyway, uh, that'll do it for this week's episode of cinema. It's a bit of a short one, but I think, uh, I think worth it. And uh, we'll be back next week to talk about, I think next week's going to be our, our best movies of the year episode. What are you talking about? You were not covering plane. I am going to see Plane tomorrow, oh, uh, weather permitting. Did you see um, that trailer? I have seen that trailer. Okay, I was going to say, Plane, the, when I saw that trailer during Black Adam, and I don't mean to delay this episode ending, but that trailer was one of the highlights of the end of the year for me. I had I, no idea where this like was going to go, where you were going to go with this. I didn't, well, like you, I had no idea what that trailer was going to be. I just was like, oh, Gerard Butler's in a new movie. What's this going to be? And then that trailer unfolded. And I wish I could have gone, you know, longer without knowing the title. But, like, I didn't know the title when I saw the trailer. And then the reveal of the title, Plane, hardest laugh I've had in a long, long time. Fantastic trailer. The timing was impeccable. Yeah. It it reminds me, too, of, like, remember... I don't know if you ever feel this way, but I've had that anxiety of like watching trailers for a movie and feeling like I'm so jazzed up for these trailers that when the actual movie comes on, it feels like a bummer. It's like, ah, oh, sure. I'm watching I'm this not, movie instead. Know, to be clear, I'm not expecting play to be anything more than a trashy good time, if that. But sometimes trailers are a little too fun. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the, you, I, that used to be more of a thing. Now it's not. But like, yeah. I remember that was more of a thing when I was like a teenager. I, sure. I, sorry, extended trailer talk. But uh, so we're not doing Man Called Auto for the next review. That's going to be a bonus thing you're talking about. We could do a bonus. Uh, we just did our bonus of the whale. If mm-hmm. you missed that on the feed, and yeah, no, because we got we got to get to our best of the year. We don't want to sure. wait too long, right? I guess so. Yeah, I just I I like to delay it personally because I try to catch up on stuff. But you know, I I accept that you know I just can't catch up on everything. He's got to kind of rip the bandaid off and uh, sure. get get going. Hey, we have Critics' Choice voting this week, and I'm trying to squeeze stuff in. You know, I still got to see Argentina 1985, and, you know, I'll, it's tough. It's tough. But, yeah, yeah, we can't see everything. We'll do our best to watch what the listeners are interested in. So, as always, uh, hit us up directly if uh, there's anything we miss, and uh, we'll do our best to cover it. Sounds so, good. Yeah. Cool. 
All right. Well, that'll be it for us this week from the Internet California. I'm John Negroni. And for the Internet Pennsylvania, I'm Wesh. See you next time.